0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Hey, friends. Thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash bpshow, patreon.com slash bpshow.
2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration, this is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com
1: slash thebillpressshow. And the word for the day is chaos. Yeah, chaos at the White House on many, many different fronts. And the only question is, who is out the revolving door next? What do you say, folks? It's the Bill Press Show here on a Friday, Friday, March 2nd. Great to see you today. Good to be back, kind of, back in voice. Not 100% yet, but um, getting better. And it's great to see you today on a Friday, March 2nd. Thank you for joining us. We've got lots and lots to talk about. Yes, indeed. The president yesterday surprising everybody, including um, his chief of staff and his entire White House top team, uh, and coming out and announcing new tariffs on steel and aluminum, which sent the Dow careening about 500 points. and ended up just a little less than that. Meanwhile... Rumors that um, H.R. McGeneral, General H.R. McMaster, the National Security Advisor, is ready to quit uh, the administration. He would be the second National Security Advisor out in one year. And also the President's Chief Economic Advisor, Gary Cohn, who told friends he was staying for one purpose only to prevent Donald Trump from introducing tariffs on any new, on any products at all. Donald Trump refuted him yesterday, rebuffed him yesterday, contradicted him yesterday. Does that mean Gary Cohn is out of a job as well? Chaos, chaos on many fronts. We'll get right into it and look forward to hearing from you and your comments on the news of the day. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. And we jump right into it with all of you. But first... This is the Full Court Press.
3: You got it. Just a couple of other stories making news. So we have talked this week about Ben Carson, head of HUD, Uh-oh. and how he had gotten a dining room situation for his office, right? They He wanted to get a table, a sideboard, break front, all in mahogany, 10 mahogany chairs with a blue velvet finish, all for the low, low price of $31 thousand dollars the New York Times first reported that story well Ben Carson yesterday came out and said well actually I have put in a request to cancel that order and so maybe we won't be getting that dining set after all uh in Ben Carson's office so he did acknowledge yesterday by the way that Candy Carson had played a role in trying to uh get this dining room set So, uh, he didn't throw her under the bus entirely, but he did say that she was part of the process,
1: which Uh, is the first time. Meanwhile, I just want to point out that Armstrong Williams, who still is, uh, not part of the administration, but still a spokesperson for Dr. Carson. He's
3: still a spokesperson. He said
1: that that neither Ben Carson nor Candy Carson had any idea that this dining set had been ordered. Um... I'll just lay that out there. Yeah, <laughs> You can believe it if you want to or not believe it. I don't Even believe if it. if you do
3: believe it, its I mean, you would like to think that he has some control over what happens in his office, right? Uh, guess what's happening this weekend? The Oscars. The Oscars are going to be here. And remember last year, I, I, I hate to say it this way, but probably the biggest story of the Oscars last year was when they completely botched the best picture presentation. They gave the award to La La Land when the correct winner was Moonlight. Now, the two people that were presenting the award when that happened were Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway. Yes. They will be back presenting oh, no. the best picture this time around, according to TMZ. They were spotted rehearsing at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood yesterday, uh, practicing their what they're going to say for best picture. So they're going to be back. And look, to be fair, it wasn't their fault. That no, it was they
1: were given the wrong envelope. They were. They yeah. were. I mean, they, yeah.
3: they took some grief for it at the time, uh, wrongfully, right? It wasn't their fault. They were given the wrong envelope. So they're going to let them give it another shot. Let them, let them try and get it right this time. Everybody's going to do their jobs, apparently.
1: Could we go back to November 8, 2016 <laughs> uh, and give the American people another shot?
2: Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This
1: is The Bill Press Show. Hey, you bet it is on a Friday, Friday, March 2nd. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Here we go, The Bill Press Show. Good to be back with you. And as you can hear, not quite 100% there, but we're working on this voice, drinking lots of tea. But well, I'm telling you all the uh, advice. That so many of you have sent in hot tea with honey, hot tea with bourbon. um, Oh, so
3: you got my suggestion then.
1: Or just plain bourbon. Yeah,
3: that'll that'll do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) At any rate, uh, we've tried it all, and um, gargling with salt water, you know, the whole thing. And somehow, uh, gradually, it'll get 100%. Not quite there yet, but thanks for putting up with it. And it's good to see you today. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., as always with the news of the day, and it is, uh, the word is chaos. It is chaos on almost every front when you look at the White House. Chaos yesterday, with the president making a major economic announcement that nobody in Congress knew was coming, nobody in the Treasury Department or the Economic Council knew was coming, nobody in the White House knew was coming Maybe even Donald Trump didn't know was coming until he made the announcement yesterday. Uh, and then there's chaos again in the White House. That was over the tariffs. Chaos in the White House over the personnel in the White House. We'll talk about a lot, a lot about that this morning. Uh, but yesterday we heard that Gary Cohn, chief economic advisor, uh, he's probably going to resign over the tariffs, which is something he said he would resign over if President Trump did it. Uh, we learned that H.R. McMaster, the National Security Advisor, is ready to run out the door. Uh, we learned that the FBI has in begun an investigation into Ivanka, one of Ivanka Trump's big business deals with the Trump International Tower in Vancouver. Uh, we learned a couple of days ago That Jared Kushner has been demoted in terms of his security clearance, that was followed up by a New York Times article uh, that Jared Kushner, there are several billionaires who have come into the White House in the last year, have meetings at the White House with Jared Kushner, and just a few days later, their businesses gave Kushner and companies in New York billion-dollar loans or multi-million-dollar loans for some of their projects. And then, of course, we had Hope Hicks resigning earlier in the, uh, in the week. It has just been, the word again, is chaos on every front. So we bring you all of that news today all across this great land of ours on radio and television and online. Joining us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, of course. And thank you for joining us online. Don't forget to sign up and be a regular part of the Bill Press team. Looking at you on Free Speech TV. Thanks for joining us on television and on the radio. Out on the great WCPT, progressive voice of Chicago. I'm going to be coming out to Chicago, uh, by the way, Peter, with my uh, new book. Nice. From the left. There you go. On April, let me see, April four. April four. Big event out at the Frugal Muse bookstore. You'll hear more about it in Darien, Illinois. So uh, make a date. See you on April 4th at Chicago. Very cool. And also joining uh, our good friends throughout the state of Indiana on Indiana Talks. Gosh, where do we start? Let's start with the tariffs yesterday. So the president, spur of the moment, says going to be 25% tariffs on aluminum, 25% tariffs on uh, 10%. No, I I, I got it wrong. 25% tariffs on steel, 10% on aluminum. Uh, Donald Trump saying, we need this because we need the protection from foreign companies.
4: You will have protection for the first time in a long while, and you're going to regrow your industries. That's all I'm asking. You have to regrow your industries.
1: And uh, uh, the president announcing, here's what the tariffs will amount to.
4: Without steel and aluminum, your country's not the same. And we need it. We need it even for defense. I mean,
1: come on. Yeah, right.
4: <laughs>
3: you know, I just, he, he he's yeah. so fascinating to listen to speak, right? Like, agree or disagree with what he has to say. I, try, I think there's a whole other argument about whether or not he even understands half of the stuff that he says. But just, That's just the, problem. the way that he yeah. talks. Like, without steel and aluminum, the country would be completely different. Yeah, okay, I get that. <laughs>
1: Uh, so with the world.
3: Right. I mean, sh- yeah. shock.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm torn about the uh, about tariffs. F- frankly, I don't know enough about them to really have an intelligent opinion, I must admit. I know that Sherrod Brown, our good friend, liberal senator from Ohio, said yesterday, this is great news for the steel industry to bring the steel industry back. Um I emailed our good friend Leo Gerard, president of the Steelworkers Union, this morning. Uh, I'm looking. I, don't, I haven't heard back from him yet. But I said, send me a few lines about the tariffs. I want to know what the steelworkers think about these tariffs. And probably good for steelworkers, right? I don't know that nec- that means it's necessarily good for everybody in the country. I just honestly don't know. But I do know that if you're going to do it, And I don't want to hold Barack Obama up as the model for everything because, you know, I was critical at times of his presidency, although I take him back in the New York second. But if this were something the Obama administration had done, they would have had meetings with the labor leaders. They would have meetings with leaders of Congress. They would have had meetings with other business leaders. They would have put together a plan. They would have made an announcement where the president comes out surrounded by these people and we've all decided this is what we're going to do, why we're going to do it. They would put out background papers. Instead, literally, this happened at the White House yesterday without any advance notice to Congress, without any advance notice even to the president's economic advisors. Gary Cohn, his chief economic advisor, has told friends, I will resign if Donald I'm staying, he said for one reason only. Right? Peter, you mentioned this yesterday. Yeah,
3: he I mean, this was Gary Cohn's issue. He did not want these tariffs to go into place. And he has, as you said, he has told his friends, if this happens, I can't stay on board. Yeah. I can't continue to do my job. This because was it. this is this this is that important to me.
1: This was the Rubicon. If Trump crosses the Rubicon, I'm out. So there he is. What We'll see what's going to happen. And the president didn't even tell his staff, didn't even know when he walked into the meeting what he was going to say. And John Kelly, his chief of staff, wasn't even in the White House at the time. John Kelly, his chief of staff, was over at the, Nash, um, at the Department of Homeland Security at another event, which we'll tell you about in a few he minutes. He was busy stepping in it. So the way this happened... It's just Trump shooting from the hip. And on the spur of the moment, this is something that he's talked about before, but on the spur of the moment, he just decided to do it. And that's the only defense that Sarah Huckabee Sanders can give. Well, um, it's not the first time you heard this from Donald Trump
0: shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody this is something frankly the president's been talking about for decades uh certainly something he talked about regularly on the campaign trail and something that he's delivering on uh making that clear today
1: so in other words she's saying if he's sort of uh spur of the moment um you never know what he's going to say that's who he is
3: well, Then what? what, what are we
1: but you know here? that's about it yeah. yeah that's who he is so that was uh, total chaos on that front. And by the way, again, uh, the markets reacted around the world sharply down, which is certainly not good for the rest of America. The Dow went down 500 points uh, and then ended up, I think, about 420 down. Yeah, 420. Uh, bounced, back a, uh, ba- bounced back a little bit. But the other chaos, and this ties into it, is Gary Cohn, uh, we mentioned, who had said, this is it. If he does this, I'm I'm gone. Uh, That would be just the latest of the turn of the revolving door uh, at the White House. Uh, I did my column on this week, which we'll um, we'll be be sending out, where looking at the turnover in the White House, 34% of top jobs in the White House, 34% of the people in top jobs in the White House have left during the first year of Donald Trump's administration. And we know Hope Hicks, communications director, nobody closer in the White House to Donald Trump than Hope Hicks. Uh, she left one day after telling the um, House Intelligence Committee, yes, I did tell some white lies for the president of the United States. Um, maybe it's worth just stopping there for a second to point out, as we did the other day, and remind you that a white lie is <clears throat> still a lie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wh- white lies are lies. Uh, and how can you admit that you tell white lies from the White House and then turn around and accuse the media of fake news? I mean, what is fake news if not a white lie, right? I mean, you know, it's just. I mean, look. A little, hard, a little hard to say. White lies are okay, but fake news is not.
3: And in, in an administration and that has been, I think, defined by fake the news. lies that it tells. Uh I guess there's a like a grading scale there, right? Like white lies, then there are maybe like little lies, then there are big little lies, then there're like whoppers, right? Yeah, like yeah, that's right. just how they that's just how they sort of grade everything.
1: So I guess maybe it's who tells it too. Like <laughs> if Hope Hicks does it, it's a little white lie. Right. If Donald Trump does it, it's a whopper. <laughs> Cuz most of his are, right? True. Yeah, for sure. Um but anyhow, when you look at and so let's take Hope Hicks. Uh, She's not the first communications director to uh, step down. Uh, She's not even the second. She's not even the third. Depending on how you count, she is the fourth or fifth. So the first one named communications director was Jason Miller. During the transition, uh, two days later, he was told he was not going to get the job because it turned out that he was having an affair and actually um, with a woman on the campaign staff. She was pregnant. He was also married at the time, and his wife was pregnant. So, anyhow, they said, uh, "No, we're not going to have him in." So,
3: I, you know, what? It's it's so funny. We were talking about this yesterday. The number of communications directors that they've churned through. Yeah, and I completely forgot about Jason Miller. Well, got he to. didn't even start on the job. He was just named communications director, and right. he was okay. out before he even took
1: office. Right, but he was there. I mean, he was Sims. definitely there. He was okay. absolutely there. So, when you if you count him. She's number five. If you don't count him, then afterwards, uh, so then it would be Sean Spicer started. Um, He was press secretary and communications director for a while. Succeeded by, does anybody remember Mike Dubke? Yeah, right. I never saw him at the White House, never heard from him at the White House. Anyhow, he was there for, I don't know, 70 days or something like that. The average, by the way, 85 days. (laughs) The average communications director. Uh 85 days. <laughs> All right. So Dupke was followed by, there's an interim, followed by the Mooch, yeah. Anthony Scaramucci, who forget? was there 10 days, 10 oh days before he flamed out, okay? And then along, then was an interim, and then along comes Ho Picks. So if you count Jason Miller, it was five. If you don't count him, it was four. So that, that will be five or six coming up in basically one year. Barack Obama had four communications directors in eight years, or five. Yeah, he had and, five in eight four, years. And George W. Bush, four, right? In no, eight, in eight years. years. Eight years, right. So the way Donald Trump is heading, he's going to have a 20 communications directors <laughs> in the first four years. Right? It's just, now, you wonder why they can't get their story straight? You wonder why can't they can't get their message straight? That that sort of tells you right there. But then you look again at higher positions. So I went through in the in this column. Think about some of the top people and some of the most important jobs in Washington. Okay, um, right now we've got members of the Trump administration who are no longer there. Michael Flynn, National Security Advisor. Dina Powell and Katie McFarland, who were Deputy National Security Advisors. Tom Price, Secretary of HHS. Attorney General, Acting Attorney General, Sally Yates, fired. Assistant Attorney General, Rachel Brand, fired. Chief of Staff, Reince Priebus, fired. Deputy Chief of Staff, Katie Walsh, FBI Director, James Comey. Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe, Chief Strategist Steve Bannon, Counterterrorism Expert Sebastian Gorka, Director of the Office of Government Ethics Walter Schaub, Deputy Communications Director the famous Omarosa, Assistant Press Secretary Michael Short, and then you get into Rob Porter and David Sorensen, both of whom out of a job, just the last couple of weeks, because they were accused of domestic violence. And right now, with war-threatening in the Korean Peninsula, we have no ambassador to South Korea. We have no Assistant Secretary of State for Pacific Affairs. And throughout agencies and the departments in the federal government, there are hundreds and hundreds of positions that require a presidential appointment, that are sitting there empty because the president has done taken no action whatsoever. Not because the Congress hasn't acted. Not because the Senate hasn't approved them. Not because Democrats are holding these confirmations up. It's because Donald Trump has not appointed anybody to fill those positions. So it really has become, it really is, a serious problem uh, for the country and for the federal government... And by the way, it's not just that the American people are hurt because these agencies are not able to do their jobs. Donald Trump doesn't realize that it hurts him too because he can't get the things he wants to get done, in many cases, through these agencies because there's nobody on the job. There's nobody sitting there uh, to do the work. And on top of it, of course, John Kelly is supposed to be the one, the new chief of staff, He's going to bring discipline and order and chain of command to the White House. It's rumored that John Kelly, because he botched the Rob Peterson thing, uh, may have a problem of his own. Well, John Kelly gave a little insight into what he thinks about his job yesterday. Let's go back to the reason he wasn't at the um, announcement for the tariffs. was because he was over at his old job. The Department of Homeland Security, big auditorium full of people. John Kelly is welcome back. He's on a little panel, and he talks about how good it was to be back and how sorry he is that he ever left. Listen very carefully.
2: I would just uh, open by saying I have almost no uh, right to be up here on this stage. I mean, I was in the department. You have every right to And I miss, you, I miss, so I miss every you. one of you every day. Uh, I went... <laughs> 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 What could he possibly mean by that?
1: I miss every one of Uh, you, every day.
2: Truly, at uh, six months, uh, the last thing I wanted to do was walk away from one of the great uh, honors of my life, being the Secretary of Homeland Security. Uh, But I did something wrong, and God punished me, I guess.
1: (laughs) Wow. How about that, right? Here I am, Chief of Staff to the President of the United States, the second most powerful position in the country, some would say the most powerful position, particularly when your boss is Donald Trump, right? People call him President John Kelly. Yeah, and he says, basically, I hate this job. God punish me.
3: The thing is, like, I had no doubt that that's how John Fel- Kelly felt, right? And I think a lot of people feel that way in the White House. The problem is you've you've got to know that that's going to find its way back to Donald Trump, and then what? Yeah, right that that's what i would be worried about like i i understand that right and i believe that that there are a lot of people working in the white house that hate it there but you just can't say that in front of a camera and expect to get away with it donald trump is going to see that i don't know maybe fox news will play it this morning maybe they won't but but if once he sees it he's going to be furious
1: you know um Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked about this a couple of weeks ago. To briefing, I was there, and um, she she sort of summed it up and said, "Well, you know, as some people say, the White House is not an ideal place to work. I mean, first of all, at one time it used to be considered like sure the most prestigious place to work in the world, right? But to say it's not an ideal place, you know what that really means? What that means is it's not a nice place to work, and Donald Trump is not a nice man to work for. That's right here. Yeah." I mean that's why, and by the way, you see what you know how this happened is so Donald Trump had zero political experience. He surrounded himself in his campaign with people who had zero political experience. They didn't do anything about preparing for the White House because they didn't think they were going to win. So they had no transition. They had no. They didn't recruit the best minds and the best people or whatever. Nothing. And then, for a whole variety of reasons. They end up winning, so what do they do? This bunch of amateurs moves into the White House, and that's what we see right now. And when they reached out to experienced, professional Washington hands who had worked for George W. Bush or worked for President H.W. Bush or worked for these think tanks and know what they're talking about and know how to govern, those people said, we don't want to be part of that clown hey, act. Why would they? no. And so the best minds in Washington on the Republican side just stayed away. I know a lot of them. I yeah. know a lot of them who have told me. I talked to a friend of mine the other. Day, he's four times he's been offered a job in the Trump administration, turned it down each time. Yeah.
3: Well, he's smarter than anybody else in the Trump administration. That's for that's for damn sure. Right.
1: <laughs> you know. And if he went, he'd probably be out of there by now. Yeah.
3: Exactly.
1: Right. So. so Now, with all of this going on, all right, so we got the tariffs, we got the chaos in the White House. We got Gary Cohn, who may step down today. We've got H.R. McMaster, National Security Advisor, who's telling people he's on his way out. Gary Cohn, by the way, wrote a letter of resignation after what the president said in Charlottesville about KKK members, very, very, very good people among those KKK members. But people persuaded Gary Cohn, Cohn to stay on because these tariffs were so important, so he stayed on. So, McMaster How'd that may work go. Out?
3: How'd that work out for him? How'd
1: that work out? Cohn may go. John Kelly's on the rocks. Jared Kushner's on the rocks. Ivanka's under investigation by the FBI. What's Donald Trump thinking about this morning? <laughs> oh, Bill, I'm glad you asked. What's the most important thing on Donald Trump's mind this morning? What is he caring about? What is he tweeting about? Okay. So, uh, Donald
3: Trump has tweeted this morning, and I want to read, first of all, because he's since corrected the tweet, I want to read the first tweet that he that he sent out uh Alex Baldwin I believe he's referring to Alec Baldwin the actor that played him on Saturday night live No it's Alex come he, on. he's he, the president he, he knows who he's talking yeah, about Yeah yeah you would never get that wrong No Alex Baldwin whose dying mediocre career again I'm sorry I have to stop <laughs> just to just to correct some spelling he spelled it D I E I N G D-I-E-I-N-G. Okay, I'm just going to start the tweet again.
1: Why didn't he ask Melania how to spell it?
3: <laughs> she, she might know how to be- spell English better than he does. All right, uh, let me start this tweet again.
1: Okay. Hmm.
3: Alex Baldwin, whose dying, mediocre career was saved by his impersonation of me on SNL, now says playing DJT, Donald J. Trump, was agony for him. Alex! It was also agony for those who were forced to watch. You were terrible. Bring back Daryl Hammond. Much funnier and a far greater talent. That is what the president of the United States has on his mind. This is
1: so petty, but it is so classic. Donald Trump it's again perfect. This is about five forty five AM East Coast Time. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what your president thought, was th- thinks today, and thought at 545, is the most important issue for the President of the United States to be talking about. That is... Stop right there. All right. the
3: news we've had this week. Right. All the news we've had this week, which has been a lot. Well... I think it's sort of an understatement. Uh, let, me, uh,
1: let me add to that. We might maybe... Maybe this is worth mentioning, right? Of all the news we had this week, maybe we should mention that includes yesterday Vladimir Putin saying that they have developed a new nuclear powered cruise missile that can penetrate air US air defenses, get around any missile defense system that we have built and land anywhere in the United States of America and in addition they have developed an underwater nuclear powered drone that can get anywhere in the planet. Vladimir Putin announcing this yesterday. True or not true? Hell, who knows? But what has Donald Trump said about this new threat or this basically relaunch of the Cold War by his buddy, Vladimir Putin? What has Donald Trump said about that? No, this morning he's tweeting about, he said nothing. And this morning he's tweeting about Alex Baldwin, or otherwise known as Alec Baldwin.
3: Uh, This is who he is. This is perfect. This is exactly who Donald Trump is. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to have to deal with the fact that Russia might have a bomb that could turn us all into dust. He doesn't care. He just cares about picking petty fights with celebrities. That's what he's always been.
1: You know what? Because he's the tabloid president. He is. He is. He, he, should, he should really get a job with TMZ.
3: <laughs> he totally should. Right? By the way, by the way, he would be great at that.
1: Totally. Absolutely. He wants
3: us to praise him. I'll praise him. He would be fantastic as a caddy gossip reporter. He would be great at that. President, eh, not so much. President of the, of the United States, eh, not so much.
1: All right. Meanwhile, on the political front. A couple more pickups of um, and flipping Democratic uh, Republican seats into Democratic hands this week, and a big special election coming up in the state of Pennsylvania. Carolyn Fiddler, from uh, political editor and senior communications advisor for Daily Coast, joins us next here in studio on the Bill Press Show. Good to have you with us. Stay tuned. This is the Bill Press Show. And on a Friday, March second, it is the Bill Press Show. Good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Good to have you back. We're coming to you live from Washington D.C. as always, uh, right here, our studio in Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the American Federation of Teachers, the good men and women of the AFT, particularly those brave members of the AFT in West Virginia. Our uh, salute to you for staying strong, 55 strong, as they say, in West Virginia, and the teachers of West Virginia holding out until finally the governor said, okay, instead of that measly 2% pay increase, we will give you a 5% pay increase. We thought that ended the strike, but then the Senate, the West Virginia Senate yesterday said, no, they will not approve that 5% increase, so the teachers remain on strike, uh, and they should until they get a decent wage in West Virginia. Uh, By the way, Peter, I think we had a teacher in West Virginia uh, we heard earlier who uh, said, "Yeah, okay, even with the 5%, this is what, her name is Christian Gore, this is what that would mean.
0: If we do get that... 5% 5% pay increase. We're only going to jump up to 47th in the nation oh, nice. instead of 48th. So we're still about $15,000 below the national average.
1: Yeah. All right. So come on. Gee, thanks. Yeah. Come on, Senate of West Virginia. Uh, do the right thing. At any rate, we salute all the members of the AFT all across the country. Uh, and um, their president, uh, Randy Weingarten. Check out their website, AFT.org. The AFT also out there telling Donald Trump and Republicans in Congress, no, we are teachers, we want to do our job, we want to teach our kids, we don't want to carry guns into the classroom. Good for them.
3: By the way, we are on Twitter, don't forget uh, where we are spelling everything correctly, Uh, (laughs) unlike the President of the United States. We are on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Uh, Boston Jean says, I would like to see Trump tell Putin that his is bigger. Talking about the weapon <laughs> that, that Putin says he has. I'm not sure that we're going to see that, Gene. Oh, uh, from Donald Trump? Yeah, I don't think he, we're going to see well, that. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised, but, you know, that's his buddy. He knows what pisses his buddy that's off. That's true, yes. Uh, Phil says, Russia has had enough py- firepower to turn us to dust <clears throat> since the 1950s. These fancy new weapons don't change squad about that. Putin's speech is nothing but a distraction. Also on Hope Hicks and the White Lies, just another name on Twitter says, well, white lies supposedly are harmless. Fake news, not so much. And Amy Kelly says, John Kelly clearly has zero Fs left to give when it comes to being the chief of staff. So don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. And if you have something to say, uh, let us hear it. Let us hear it.
1: Yeah, I forgot to mention also the ambassador from Mexico, uh, our ambassador to Mexico, announced that she is resigning yesterday. She's one of the most seasoned people uh, at the State Department, has been for a long time. Um, She was in that job. Uh, Donald Trump didn't fire her. She finally just said, I can't uh, represent this administration any longer. Uh, She announced that she's uh, stepping down yesterday, too. So they're dropping like flies. It's total chaos. Yeah, right. It's total chaos. Why doesn't he just resign? What's that? Why doesn't he just resign? I wish. You know, I mean, I wish. Yeah. Wouldn't that be the way to solve the problem? Um, one would think. No, exactly. Um, by the way, speaking of, um, uh, just one little re- reminder of something we have uh, talked about, but I haven't been able to for a couple of days. I want to remind you. Got copies? They're in now. Actually, in print. The new book. It is out. So. Don't turn them um, back now. I've got a box of them, and I'm going to spend time this weekend signing books for all of you who have ordered the advanced copy of From the Left. It's my new memoir. Uh, The official publication date is March 20, but now the books are in and ready to come out to you. So if you haven't already done so, uh, get online today. Go to BillPressShow.com. Follow the link. Order your copy, advanced copy, signed. I'll sign it for you. From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. Again, with a blurb on the front from Bernie Sanders and blurbs on the back from good friends Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Brown, Rosa DeLauro, Maxine Waters. And we're all part of the Young Turks Network. Proud to be so. Cenk Huger from the Young Turks Network. In fact, I'm a good friend Anderson Cooper from CNN. Um, they all enjoyed the book. You will, too. It's just a story of a, a lot of the fun that I've had so far. A lot of the great experiences and the great people that I've had a chance to work with. Leading up to Crossfire and those great days with uh, Pat Buchanan and Bob Novak and Mary Madeline, uh, Tucker Carlson over at CNN, and then Pat Buchanan and I going on to MSNBC before we started the uh, Bill Press Show. So check it out, Bill Press, from the left, life in the Crossfire. Go to our website, BillPressShow.com, uh, and order your advance. Copy. Now, as
3: you mentioned, there is a discount if you go buy it through our website for anybody that's a, a fan of the show and watching and listening to the show. If you are an NRA member, we are charging you actually 20% more. So uh, just just keep that in mind.
1: That's the way it should be. Yes. Yeah, right. We want you to know, right. So be sure to note. Yeah. That's right. That there is a 40, 40% discount on the book, Right. For our listeners and our viewers, it gets the price down to sixteen seventy nine. But if you are a member of the NRA, it'll cost you $50. <laughs> that seems fair. That
3: seems fair. Don't you think? Yeah.
1: yeah indeed. Carolyn Fidler joins us from Vox News. Uh, Daily Vox. I'm sorry. my I... <laughs> <Co's, Daily> God. <laughs> Daily Coast. Daily Coast. Daily Coast. You changed jobs so much. I who who am I? Why it? am I here? I ask myself I,
5: that every minute I of Carol every day. <laughs> yes, right. um, well, I, a reporter once ha- had me this week as... Representing the State House Action Project, which is definitely what I'm going to name my 501C4, but not <laughs> what I actually work for.
1: Um, it's good to see you.
5: It's great to see you. It's uh, been
1: a while. we understand that you had a little, a few metro problems this morning. I don't. By the way, it is. It's crazy out there. Crazy. <laughs> I have you hear... never felt the wind like walking over here this morning. I mean, I don't Sting know what's jet. going on. Sting jet.
3: Did you hear? That's what that's the term is. Sting jet. That's what Capital Weather Gang called it. The Washington D.C. area is getting up to 70 miles per hour today. And they're called sting jets because they're just like gusts. They're not like sustained winds like a like a hurricane or something like that. They just come out of nowhere. I mean, the house was uh, last night, right? The house was rocking. Driving in this morning, the car was sort of And skittering. schools are
1: closed today? Schools yeah. are closed
3: today? Federal government? Federal but government's no. closed today?
1: Federal- it's no. cuckoo bananas out there. Well, it is. And... They were canceling flights yesterday in anticipation Ugh. of bad weather today. It's bonkers. I wouldn't want to be flying today. No. Hell oh, no, no. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm.
5: Especially not that short runway at National.
1: Oh yeah, no, exactly. But
3: again, like one of the things that they were saying is like these these winds they just kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, they knew they were coming, but like <laughs> you you can't really. It's not like a buildup. It's just all of a sudden just a
1: whoosh. But I've never seen this before. Where the airlines were actually saying. You know, we'll give you. You want to can't You cancel? Your, we'll give you money back, or we'll put you on another flight. I mean, they were oh, in, in anticipation huh. of of what's happening. So we're we're glad you made it. I, I am. But I'm also, I'm here. the Mark trains between here and Baltimore are yeah. canceled today.
5: VRE as well. Wow.
1: Virginia wow. Rail.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: I've never. I don't remember that happening before. Are they afraid I mean, the trains will blow I mean, over or what? <laughs>
3: except for anything but like snow, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I would guess so because again, like they, they, the the statement that they put out from our friends of the Capital Weather Gang at the Washington Post, they put out a statement. They were just like, "If you don't have to be anywhere today, do not go. This is like not a joke. They're not trying to be overly cautious." <clears throat> so, I mean, naturally, I'm here. There was nowhere else <laughs> I, nowhere else I'd rather be. Right, exactly. And you'll have to forgive me. My hair is a little windswept today, and that's really the biggest oh, problem. Yes. I've oh, yeah. I don't so, right. about mine, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, well, goodbye. I'm going home. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Carolyn, how are you? I'm great. Let's talk about races. So I've lost count. Um, The last time I checked, it was like 35 or 36 state legislative seats that Democrats have been able to flip from really red districts. Districts not just close, but Donald Trump carried by double Mm -hmm. digits since he became president. What's the number now?
5: Right now we're at thirty-nine after this past
1: Tuesday. Get out! Wow. Yeah, that is incredible. It's amazing. What's going
5: on? Uh well. Is this the blue wave? It's it's. I, I'm hesitant to call it that quite yet. I'm uh, I'm I'm. I came up in Virginia politics as a Democrat back before it was cool to be a Democrat mm-hmm. in Virginia, so I'm kind of a pessimist. But um, with 80 uh, state legislative elections that have happened so far. We, there are a lot of data points to look at. And even yeah, even yeah. the seats where Democrats aren't flipping these these seats from red to blue, they're still doing better. Uh, they're overperforming uh, the Democratic presidential performance in those districts, um, also by double digits most of the time. Um, but Democrats keep flipping these seats. And uh, at 39, that's uh, that's a really good uh, – that's, that's a good uh, – it's a happy set of data for Democrats to have and to look at as we, right. as we move into so, November.
1: So there have been 80, right? hmm And roughly, Democrats have flipped half of them, roughly.
5: Right. And and the, and m- the majority others... of them have been open Republican seats.
1: Yeah, yeah.
5: Because they've been elected mm-hmm. to other offices or they get appointed. Like the congressional seats that have become open, they get appointed because we, the Republicans mm-hmm. assume these seats are safe. Right. So they appoint Republicans from these seats and- plan to fill them with more Republicans, it just hasn't always been working out.
1: Yeah. Well, we haven't looked at that closely, and I'm glad you mentioned it, is that in the ones where Democrats have not won, they still have increased their mm-hmm. performance, if you will, substantially. Drastically, right? yes. Okay. So um, I forget what 37 was. You said there were two this week, 38 yes, and 39. 38. Uh, where were they?
5: New Hampshire House and Connecticut House.
1: New Hampshire? Um,
5: We've flipped five seats in the New Hampshire House this cycle.
1: Wow. Right, uh, and Connecticut,
5: Connecticut was uh it was a seat that had been held by Republicans for forty four years. Yeah, and uh, we flipped it.
1: So how what is the count now, if you know, of um, state legislatures, Republican or Democrat? I mean, oh, uh, this is this is the one where right under eight years under Barack Obama we lost nine hundred and some seats. Right, right. right. So we've got uh, a long, still a long way to go. We do. But with redistricting coming yeah. up, that's why this is so one of the reasons why this is so important. It's true. It's right?
5: true. After after November, Democrats were able to helpfully add two more uh, demor- Democratic trifectas uh, to our yeah. column uh, in Washington State when we picked up the state Senate there, and mm-hmm. in New Jersey when we flipped the governorship. Um, uh, unfortunately, redistricting is not controlled by the legislature in. Uh, in, in Washington and New Jersey is an interesting process. It's not really controlled by the legislature there either. So that doesn't really help for redistricting, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, seats are up this, uh, this fall that will have direct impact on, on redistricting. Places like the Colorado State Senate, um, Democrats are only down one seat. Um, we can flip that. Uh, Minnesota State House, and we need to keep that governorship this fall. Um, uh, places like the Florida State Senate, uh, it's a long shot, but we thought Virginia was a long shot, too, so nothing's really off the table.
1: Yeah, and Virginia came so close. I know. Right.
5: One uh, one film canister, really.
1: <laughs> one film, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> one slip pulled out of a hat, right? Oh, my God. It was bananas.
3: Right. Yeah. Was out of a bowl. Ain't politics grand. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is how we make decisions and- <laughs> The year of our Lord, 2018.
5: Film canisters out of a bowl.
3: Yeah.
1: So what has made the difference in these special elections? I mean, how did Democrats win 39? Um, I guess it was a combination of things, but it, it, it first often is. Uh, having a candidate run in yes. every one of those. I mean, that's people say, well, <laughs> of course they, there'd be a candidate. Run. That's not necessarily uh-uh. the case. Uh-uh. There have been times when either party, did not put up a candidate right. in certain or, districts. They just gave up.
5: In right? in North Carolina, uh for instance, filing uh, <clears throat> filing is is done there uh and Democrats are have the first time probably ever. Democrats are running candidates in all 170 legislative districts, 120 house districts and 50 senate districts. Democrats have candidates in all of them for the first time probably literally ever. Uh and it's uh and we're seeing that in other places, too. In Ohio, Democrats have candidates in all those seats. Um, Democrats, Democratic recruitment is go- going really well in Arizona. It was amazing in Texas. Um, and as more and more filing deadlines close, we're going to see more and more of this, I think. Yeah. Um, but having a candidate run is very important. Um, and there's one thing that Democrats have now that like just money can't buy, that Republicans just don't have. And we have just energized v- voters. Our electorate is... Is, is really amped up to get out there and, and cast a ballot in ways right. that we haven't seen in a very long time and in ways that Republicans are definitely lagging in.
1: So the energy and the momentum is definitely on the Democratic side. Yes. Uh, and um, there's been a lot of—they um, they must have also—another element, obviously, is raising enough money to have a serious—put put forth a serious campaign. True. Um, and, and grassroots activity—
5: Yes, and and those things have been uh, been uh,
1: organizing, basic yes. organizing, and that's
5: that's been happening in these state legislative races as well. Um, I know that uh, the LCC, the committee that elects Democrats to state legislatures, um, their fundraising has been going really well, and um, and and candidate fundraising, no worries, uh, has been very very strong uh, for Democrats in these races, and uh, and volunteerism. Uh, the volunteer activity has been just through the roof. The field programs have been fully staffed. Doors are getting knocked on. Calls are getting made. Uh, it's it's remarkable, and it's the kind of thing that we need to see and continue. You know,
1: I uh, attended a, uh, a session, a great session, at George Washington University yesterday. Um, several political panels, and on one of them, there were three former members of Congress, and um, they were talking about campaign reform, mm-hmm. and um, A couple of interesting things. First one is the question was asked of each of them, knowing what you know today Mm. and the way the system is today with how much money people, candidates have to raise and how much time they have to spend on the phone raising money um, and the way the system is kind of broken today and Mm. nothing's happening in Congress. Would you, if you were starting out today, young person, would you run again for Congress? Every one of them said no, which I thought was pretty depressing. It is Jeez. depressing. Yeah. But the other thing that was interesting, and a Republican mentioned this, and then the other Democrats would really agree, that they said, you know what? We don't know why we spend all this money on TV ads because they are worthless. Hmm. That the ads really don't convince everybody, anybody that so many of them, they're the consultants who say they start out and say, well, of course, you've got to spend ex-gazillion on TV cuz that's how we win elections these days and of course the consultants get 15% they mm-hmm. get paid for making the ads then they get paid for placing the ads mm-hmm. on television they that's their big bucks
3: plus they can help their friends out you know Right. Like
1: but who they, yeah, who they, yeah who they sell them to but each of these candidates said what really made the difference was organizing going out meeting people and serving the district mm-hmm. and 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 that's that's if you do more of that and don't even have the TV ads, every one of them said they thought that was a winning formula. But I think well, you probably need a combination of both. Right. But I thought it was very interesting. Again, it was emphasizing the importance of grassroots organizing, which too many people have gotten away from. Obviously, Dem- Democrats are getting back. Okay, so um, we're up to 39. That's great. Keep going, keep going <laughs> in these state legislative <laughs> districts. Uh, meanwhile, uh, a congressional race coming up in Pennsylvania. Very exciting. Yeah. Tell us about that one.
5: Uh, uh, It's coming up soon, right? Right. It's uh, two weeks from this Tuesday, I believe. Um, Connor Lamb uh, is running uh, in the 18th uh, congressional district in Pennsylvania to replace uh, Tim Murphy, who had to resign after it came out that he asked his mistress to have an abortion (laughs) because... I don't That'll do it. Understand. that's a little embarrassing. Right, do right. it. Oh my gosh, Mm-mm. what do what do people even think? But anyway, um, so they opened the seat up when he resigned in disgrace, <laughs> and uh, and Connor Lamb is 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 running a very strong campaign in what is a Republican Against district.
1: Suckony, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, or
5: yeah. Okay. Um, uh. Did
1: it. Go ahead. Yeah, Go no, I. It's, yeah. It's,
5: Spelled cone I might be getting the pronunciation Okay. Off. But anyway, um, he's a who the Republican is a member of the state legislature, um, notorious conservative, uh, a known quantity in that area because of his presence in the in the legislature. And it's a
1: seat that was drawn for Republicans. Mm-hmm. Yes, right.
5: And uh, of course, it will be um, it'll be a different district when uh, hopefully when Lamb runs for reelection uh, in oh, November because right. of the uh, maps up there, which is a whole other ball of wax. <laughs> But um, but Connor Lamb is within striking distance in a Republican district.
3: It's uh, that's remarkable. It's really remarkable, and he's got money. He's raising money. He's yeah. he's bringing in like
1: some serious cash. Oh,
5: well, Daily Coast did our part. We endorse him.
1: Hell yeah! <clears throat> but he has to run now in the special, right? Mm-hmm. And then run in November again. That's correct. So, um, wow.
3: That's a quick turnaround. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of, I, the of these
5: go, uh, the, special the elections are is, happening now. It's the same thing.
3: Yeah. The good news is you don't really have to reset anything. You've already got a staff in place to run, right? Yeah, you so, just got to keep going. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, Donald Trump has endorsed in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: Oh Yeah? Oh, um, yeah. I gonna, think he's
1: been there once. He's been there he? once.
5: He was going to go there again uh, either this past week or the week before, but um he decided not to I, I think in the wake of the, yeah, the florida shooting right. perhaps but um i i i, I think i, read I think the he'll, he'll be there again he's
1: supposedly there next week yeah, or the 10th or something again. right right so, so this would be a big pickup yes right? it would
5: be huge uh it's it's the, it's the mm-hmm. kind of flip that would that would make congressional republicans knees quake and they're already looking at these state legislative elections and getting nervous but losing a seat like this on the congressional level would strike a whole new level of fear into them
1: right Especially uh, in Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. where, with reapportionment, the Republican plan being thrown out, the Supreme Court or the judges will come up with their own plan, which really does tilt Democratic. This would be a a good start, right?
5: It it tilts more Democratic than the old map. The map actually draws more districts that Trump carried than, than Hillary Clinton carried. Um, so it's just a, it's a more fair map. This, <laughs> this I think is it's what, a fair map, but it's definitely not a pro-democratic map.
3: This it's, is one of those things that I think is different than, like, you know, one of the early battles the Democrats figured that they had to win was to win that John Ossoff race, right, in Georgia. Yeah, right. Which was a long shot, and I don't want to say it was a pipe dream, because it could have happened. No, but it was but definitely a long shot. It was a Republican it district. It was definitely a long shot. Whereas, like, this Connor Lamb seat, or this Connor Lamb race, like, these are the types of seats the Democrats are just going to have to win. They're just going to have to win. They have to.
1: And um, so things are looking good there. Overall, for the midterms, we're into the midterms now. This is 2018. Um,
5: Filing deadlines have started to close in places, yeah.
1: Right, okay. And um, what do you see the prospects for Democrats getting the House back and what are going to be the key issues? Just about a minute and a half left.
5: Oh, I think that uh, I, am, I am cautiously optimistic. It's certainly going to be it's, it's going to be an uphill slog. Uh, still. Yes. Gerrymandering is still going to impact Democrats on the congressional level a great deal. Uh, and uh, but everything is on our side. The voter energy is on our side. The issues are on our side, um, whether it's the economy or at this point gun safety, things like that. Democrats are on the right side of everything that people care about right now.
1: Do you think that gun safety will be a major issue in this uh, uh, 2020? I mean, I would hope.
5: I would hope, but but, it's forever from now, and people have a tendency to forget these things because they happen so often.
1: Yeah. Congress certainly forgot about it this week. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, mean, Trump may have had his meeting down at the White House, but nothing happened on Capitol Hill. Nothing. Nothing.
5: And he changed his mind again.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. All right uh I, I mentioned, uh, I was telling Peter earlier, uh, Joe Scarborough has a, um, an op-ed in the Washington Post this morning with the headline, you're afraid of the, N- uh, not afraid of the NRA, prove it. Hmm. You know, we saw that big meeting with Donald Trump, right. but what have what we actually seen in terms of a White House proposal, a White House position paper, right, or anything? Nothing. Uh, or t- t- Trump, t- Donald Trump supporting specific legislation to do anything that the NRA would not approve of? Nothing. 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 right so i would hope the democrats make that a major issue in uh, 2018 i think they will and i think it'll make the difference in a lot of races i think yeah. it will too yeah great to see you Carolyn. Yeah. thanks so much for coming I'm in i'm so
5: happy i could be here
1: Carolyn fiddler on daily coast okay and it's daily coast k-o-s, K-O-S dailycoast.com from Think Progress. Alan Pike joins us next. Here's a friend of Bill for the next hour. Stay this tuned. We'll be right is back the Bill Press Show. Hey everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show, then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing, if you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks.
2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: And here we are on a Friday, Friday, March 2nd. What do you say? Great to see you today. And it's good to be back with you, And you as you can hear. Not 100% yet, but the voice is getting a little bit better. Uh, you know, every once in a while, just about once a year, uh, it happens. And ain't nothing you can do about it, except struggle through. But good to be with you on a Friday. With lots and lots to talk about, it is the Bill Press Show coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., on our little spot right in the middle of everything in the heart of the action on Capitol Hill, our studio, just down the street from the United States Capitol building where ain't nothing going on because uh, they decided uh, that they didn't want to be around when everybody was talking about uh, what the Congress might do in terms of gun safety legislation. So they declared three days of mourning for the Reverend Billy Graham and left town without doing anything. But we got their number. We had still lots to talk about. Vladimir Putin announcing huge new, um, he says, advancements in terms of weapons, um, Cold War weapons that could destroy the United States in a flash. Um, he announced yesterday Donald Trump announcing new tariffs on steel and aluminum yesterday yesterday. And rumors that there may be yet more resignations more departures from top White House staff including HR. McMaster National security advisor and Gary Cohn the chief economic advisor Alan Pike here from think Progress is a friend of Bill for the entire hour Alan there's a lot going on there sure is yeah. not a slow week
6: it's I, been a it's been a, a whirlwind the I, 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 waking up yesterday to news that uh-huh. Vladimir Putin spent like two hours talking about his fancy new nukes yeah it was was a fun little thursday treat nice way to kick off a month
1: and donald <laughs> trump said nothing about it
6: yeah not, not yet a word yeah which is surprising and i it only makes me brace for yeah, he, the inevitable he's
3: got bigger things to worry about like alex baldwin <laughs> that's right tweeting uh, about alex baldwin
1: yeah right First things first, yeah, right?
3: Yeah, Come on, guys. to right. give, give the guys some some credit here.
1: Okay. Well, and 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 you,
6: it's polite, I think, when um, it, it's sort of like a, a three man weave basketball drill <laughs> with him and Putin and <laughs> and the North Koreans. Like yeah. everybody, everybody gets a turn to talk about <laughs> the size and the springiness of their particular button, the 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 distinct shade of red, <laughs> uh, which it is colored um <laughs> the 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 thing the thing that Putin was talking about uh okay. really really did bring out the the like kid in me who's just fascinated by how like Hopefully. big things that go boom work yeah um and okay. I, and I've been listening to a couple of interviews okay. with weapons experts about it it's it's, right. it's
1: funky hold that we want to talk we want to talk a lot more about it and we want to hear from you and your comments on Twitter at BP show but first, <laughs> This is the Full Court Press.
3: Just a couple of other stories making news. One of the big stories this week is that some companies are changing their own laws on how they sell guns here in America. We saw Dix was the first one to say they would no longer sell guns or ammunition to anyone under the age of of 21, and they were going to get rid of the AR-15 rifle. Walmart followed suit yesterday. L.L. Bean says they are raising its minimum wage for gun purchases from 18 to 21. Uh, So they are just the latest to jump on board there. So good for L.L. Bean. And Dick's and Walmart. And Dick's and know? Walmart, as I just said. Yeah, they're, they're, they're on board, too. By the way, uh, one of the big movies coming out this summer. I know we're still sort of dealing with Black Panther fever with how well and, and wonderful it did for yeah, uh, Marvel. So seen it. Uh, Avengers Infinity War is coming out this summer. They made the announcement yesterday. It was supposed to come out on May 4th. They said, eh, screw it. We're going to move the date up a little bit. So they're now changing the release date to April 27th. So you can see it now a week earlier. Now this is a big deal because it was going to have international release on April 27th and it wasn't going to release going to be released here in America until March for uh, May 4th. So they changed it yesterday. They said, "We'll just release it everywhere at the same time. April 27th is your new date."
1: So Am new I supposed year. to be happy about this?
3: I don't know. If you want to go see a good comic book movie, go check it out, but I got a Wait, feeling you'll probably stay at home.
1: They're they're good comic book movies. <laughs>
3: oh man. <laughs>
2: This is The Bill Press Show.
1: On a Friday, March 2nd, here we go, The Bill Press Show. Great to see you today. Thank you so much for being with us, whether you're watching on Free Speech TV, whether you're listening and joining us on the radio out in the great, uh, on the great WCPT in the greater Chicago area, or whether you're following us online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to... This Friday edition with lots and lots going on, chaos is the word. Chaos at the White House yesterday with the president um, surprising everybody by announcing new tariffs on steel and aluminum. Chaos uh, on the international front when Vladimir Putin announces new weapons that could strike the United States and penetrate any defense missile system we have, says Vladimir Putin. And chaos in more White House turnover. Alan Pike here with us. As a friend of Bill, for the entire hour to cover all of the above and beyond. So, Alan, um, what is your take on um, Alec Baldwin? Does he really have a dying career? No. Let's explain. <laughs> Let's explain with I, all the things that I talked about. I, I Donald but... Trump tweets this morning, the number one thing on his mind. Okay. Peter, help us out by yeah. just pulling up for those of us. Right who, I was going to say I do this yet.
6: every time you have me on, Bill. I I neglect to do the most important prep that one can do, yeah. Which is what the heck did the president tweet this morning, right? And
1: how crazy was it? So right. I, I've missed. I've managed to miss this entirely. Lay it on me, Peter. I, I want to tell you at five forty-five a.m. This is what is on the president's mind. Here's what uh, Donald Trump tweeted this morning. Okay, uh, Alex Baldwin.
3: Alex. Alex. Not who's dying media career was saved by his impersonation of me on SNL, now says playing DJT, Donald J. Trump, was agony for him. Alex, it, <laughs> it was also agony for those who were forced to watch. You were terrible. Bring back Daryl Hammond. Much funnier and a far greater talent.
6: I, how do we have a, a, a Facebook comment section for a president? I know that's bad. Okay, so uh, I have I have no interest in uh, in boosting uh, Alec Baldwin's sorry alex alex but um, please uh, di- dying career dying uh, career in any way. But just judging purely from the the frequency with which you see, uh, still in 2018. Gifts from Thirty Rock on Twitter. Um I like I guess you don't get royalties on gifts, but I'm I'm pretty sure the guy's doing fine. It's,
3: yeah. He's doing just fine. He's doing uh, just fine.
6: Do you think do you think and that by the way, he was damn good at it. Oh yeah. Oh, he was great. Damn. I mean it was it was fine. I I yeah. I, I, I don't think I've S N L hasn't been appointment viewing for me since I was a teenager, really. But uh but I mean the do you think that there are like Constituencies out there who cannot, for the life of them, manage to get onto the president's radar, and you know have have important issues they would like him to move on. Whether it's I don't know (laughs) schools funding or are you kidding? uh, Who 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 are just trying to come up with ways to like okay. How, who do we have insult him and at what time of day or night and in which medium um, such that he will pay attention to us? How
3: do we get our names to fall out of that hole under Brian yeah. Kilmeade's nose so that, <laughs>
1: right. so that the president will finally pay attention to
6: us? Yeah, it's the, it seems to be the
1: only sure way to, to get his attention is to. But, but seriously, when you have, I hate to make too much of this, that your national security advisor is threatening to resign, your chief of staff. Is maybe on his way out. Gary Cohn, your chief economic advisor, has said, "If you do tariffs, I'm going to quit." Sure. Uh, Hope Hicks quits this week. When you got Vladimir Putin threatening nuclear war or whatever, yeah. as well as Kim Jong Un, and I mean, and tariffs, new tariffs, right? Yeah. everybody's up, and the Dow pl- plunges 3,500, and you're talking about Alex Baldwin.
6: This is how he operates, right? He always he's he's very uh, adroit. About finding a way to turn everybody's head uh, to something inane and uh, self-involved, but and is it more than
1: that? Is it also what he really is interested in?
6: I think so. I think I think he finds I think he finds in himself. Tabloid. He's a tabloid. Yeah, he is the most right? interesting subject in the world to himself. And and I mean, yeah, ratings uh, bonanzas from the last two years would tell you that a lot of people in my business have in our business have have fallen into that. Uh, I, there's a chicken and egg thing here. I, the media didn't create Donald Trump, but it certainly I've, has I've helped him.
3: S- I've said this a, a million times on the <clears> show, <throat> and I'll say it again, right? The people who really know who Donald Trump is are the people who've covered New York media for right. years. Right. right, The Washington, D.C. journalists and reporters, they kind of still don't know what to do with him, And that, that goes for cable news, too. Right? Absolutely. Like they still don't know what to do with Donald Trump. But the people who really understand who he is... Are the the journalists who came up in New York, right? Like Maggie Haberman has scoop after scoop after scoop after scoop for the New York Times because, like, she knows what Trump is. Yeah, she's yeah. seen what he is. He yep. is just yep. a tabloid star. Yeah, I think, and we
6: got another example of that of that sort of deficit in understanding, um, or you know, losing the football, whatever whatever analogy you, you like, for DC's media being quite quick to jump into the, the lap of whatever theatrical thing he's up to uh, most recently. The, the the meeting that he had with uh, a bunch of senators at the White oh, House God. that they carried yeah. live. Yeah. On the guns. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he, he basically, he seemed to reverse uh, 40, 50, 60 years of Republican orthodoxy on uh, basics of, of gun policy and go and swerve way to the left of what any Democrat has ever, well, not ever, but yeah. what most yeah. Democrats actually want. Um, and and I think we should all know by now that the man is pathologically incapable of keeping his word on anything, and that and that he also is very fond of extemporaneous, speculative, uh, stunt making. You know, bomb throwing. He's he's quick to figure out a way to piss off everybody who was on his side before, and then. That that ends up meaning that what he says in a forum like that isn't going to ultimately matter at all. He and well, and this morning the the top lobbyist for the NRA, Chris Cox, was tweeting about how we had a meeting with Trump in the Oval yesterday uh, that wasn't on the books and wasn't in the in the uh, White House press office's sort of schedule uh, that they send right, out to reporters. Right. And Chris Cox comes out of that tweeting, uh, "Don't worry, we got him back on side. He doesn't he doesn't support gun control. Um, he he believes in due process, despite saying." We'll do the due process second, and the gun grabbing right. first yeah. on TV the other day. But, but, but reporters still get suckered into this stuff.
1: No, I mean I couldn't believe it. I watched that um, meeting, um, about an hour long, and to me it was totally meaningless because you can't believe a word Donald Trump says. It reminded me of the meeting on immigration, yes, where the same thing he agreed with everything was said around the table, and this yep. and um, and nothing happened. Yeah, and this thing too. To me, it was you again. Didn't mean anything, and yet the headlines the next day were, Donald Trump breaks with the NRA. Right. As if this was true right. and breaking news, and they should have said, you know, basically Donald Trump pulls another goofball yeah. meeting. Yeah, right? and right, and, and that's exactly the headline he wants, and, and I yeah, think he's yeah, got- Yeah, exactly,
6: right. I think a, a key part of his political sort of affectation and, and skill, if you can call it that, <laughs> he gets that, he knows how to get the headline he wants out of any given story, uh, and then- Sort of wait for the uh, let, let the actual policy change uh, happen, however, it's going to happen anyway, um, and, and trust that people will sort of all they'll remember is, well, but he stood up to the NRA.
1: Yeah, regardless right. of what, uh, what if any, legislation he ultimately ends up signing. The, the one thing we know is Donald Trump will never do anything that the NRA does not support. Correct. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, he, and he and, and has told them that. Yeah. And, and I think the
6: we're at an interesting moment um, in terms of the NRA's influence on uh, legislation and on Congress. I, they've served as a sort of permission gate. They're a must-have constituency on any gun policy going back 20, 30, 40 years. I mean, the Brady Bill doesn't happen uh, without major concessions to the NRA's point of view uh, and, and without them sort of grudgingly uh, accepting that They had to get on board with it after weakening it in a lot of ways back in the 90s. We're in an interesting moment where that influence, that stranglehold, could start to slip a little bit. But it's not going to happen because of anything Donald Trump says in a uh, live-to-cable meeting with senators. It's going to happen if Democrats can start to pick off the the rump majority of NRA members who don't actually support what the NRA does as a national right. organization, as a national yeah. political yeah. organization. Yeah. There, there are a lot of people out there who own guns, who care a lot about their Second Amendment rights, who really believe that their family's safety is caught up in their ability to uh, have and, and maintain uh, a hold on their firearms, um, who still favor universal background checks and still favor uh, uh, a yeah. lot of things that the NRA opposes. Uh,
1: and we have heard, we've heard from a lot of those people. now. Donald Trump had another kind of crazy, wild meeting yesterday on the opioid crisis, which you have written about. Indeed. And he um, he said first of all, he talks about um, he t- he drops in on this meeting. Right? It wasn't it wasn't like where he held a roundtable right. for uh, for about an hour, but about how, that's not really his thing. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, not really his thing. But yeah,
6: he's uh, really let Kellyanne Conway. The reporting from all corners is that Kellyanne Conway is the Sort of the uh, the ringleader, the circus master, on because on she has whatever so much it is experience
1: to, to bring to this issue too, as if she knows right how to handle a crisis like this. Uh, anyhow, Donald Trump said, uh, "Happy to join you here yesterday."
4: I just want to pay my respects to everybody. Uh, some of you have gone through a lot. <clears throat> Many of you in this room have gone through a lot more than anyone can imagine. We're with you hundred percent. We're fighting for you, and we're going to win. We're going to win.
1: There you go. Vote of confidence there. Uh, he talked about how some people, they're on painkillers already. They're addicted to painkillers. And then something goes wrong. They go to the hospital and they come out worse than they were before they went into the hospital, which is probably true. But hearing him talk about it sounds they're weird.
4: addicted to painkillers and they don't even know what happened. They go in for something minor and they come out and they're, they're uh, in serious shape.
3: Yeah, they're in serious shape.
6: Yeah, yeah. I, his his inelo- ineloquence uh, as a general thing is especially painful applied to this subject matter because it's uh, but he's but groping it, it, for yeah. empathy Th- with with people who are in really dire uh, circumstances. That is a
3: real point. I mean, yeah, his, oh, point, his point yeah. that he is trying yeah. to formulate into a sentence is absolutely yeah. spot on.
6: Yeah, yeah. yeah the emergency rooms are a, uh, a a main generator of new. Mm-hmm. Uh, opioid misuse, uh, right, opioid abuse right. disorder, sure. uh, right. uh, risk risk patterns for people, and and I you know I I've had that experience myself. I when I was in college, I broke a bone in my hand a couple of times, and the second time, guy in the ER told me, um, "Oh, you're definitely gonna need surgery to set this thumb straight." Uh, and but just go back to your same orthopedist, and the orthopedist said, "No, no, no, you don't need surgery. Here's eighty Vicodin and a refill." Um, and, it's, and it and you know and, and this was this was literally uh, eleven years ago now, but uh, the. the the medical community has, for 25 years now, been told by the companies that manufacture these drugs, we have a miracle here. Uh, that This is a pill that you can take twice a day and be completely uh, pain-free. Pain-free, and, yeah. and you only need to take it you know, once every 12 hours. That's not actually how OxyContin functions for a lot of people. Um, Purdue Pharmaceutical, the company that, that invented the drug, knew that from its clinical trials back in the 90s. Uh, and just didn't tell anybody, mismarketed the drug to doctors and to patients for years and years and years. Uh, and at the same time, the the medical community was beginning to take um, pain itself uh, more seriously as a a health issue, not just a symptom of other health issues, and was beginning to try to, Address uh, people who are in who suffer from chronic pain from an injury or from something like fibromyalgia, um, and so you had a, from supply and demand ends of this system major uh, uh, jump in the relationship between. Uh, medical professionals and uh, pain and right. via these drugs that are, again, much more dangerous than anyone was led to believe. And so when when policymakers are trying to come back around 20, 25 years later and begin to address this problem, A, uh, they need to be spending way more money on it than anybody's been willing to, uh, and way more than Trump himself has proposed in his newest budget. Um, and B, there needs to be some kind of reckoning for these companies. The, 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 the inventors of these drugs right. and the distributors of these drugs have been able for years to get by on just paying out you know, a $10 million court settlement here, a $100 million fine uh, to, the F, uh, to the FTC there, while making tens of billions of dollars in profit over over this
1: period of decades off of these drugs. Uh, there needs to be some kind of reckoning for the industrial well, nature of this, well, of this problem. And, and Donald Trump says yesterday, there has to be some kind of reckoning- For the people who are um, dealing with these drugs, I guess, or handing them out or um, um, making them available at any rate, Uh, you've written about this. Um, He seems to be taking a page from the book of President Duterte of the Philippines. Here he goes.
4: We have pushers and we have drug dealers that don't, I mean, they kill hundreds and hundreds of people and most of them don't even go to jail. You know, if you shoot one person, they give you life, they give you the death penalty. These people can kill 2,000, 3,000 people, and nothing happens to them. And we need strength with respect to the pushers and to the drug dealers. Some countries have a very, very Mm -hmm. tough penalty, the ultimate penalty. And by the way, they have much less of a drug problem than we do. So we're going to have to be very strong on
3: penalties.
1: So, is that just we're going to
3: be very strong on penalties.
1: Strong on penalties, yeah. Is that just talk on Donald Trump's part? No. There are a number of prosecutors,
6: federal and local, all around the country who are very much on board with the idea that we should be charging, we should be pursuing murder charges against uh, people who we can trace back as the point of sale for a given overdose death. And the way Trump frames this stuff is, I think, designed to. in, to evoke an image in your brain of you know, public hangings for people who are moving thousands and thousands of units of, say, fentanyl, which is far more deadly uh, at smaller doses than, than uh, other versions of this category of drug. Um, but what actually ends up happening with laws uh, designed to allow prosecutors to go after drug dealers for murder in overdose cases, what actually ends up happening there much more commonly is... You get somebody who's, you know, buying two bags instead of the one that they want for themselves to to pass one along to a friend, um, and and support their own habit. This is the because our our prohibition based system of drug laws creates a black market for a substance that is intensely addictive that has these neurobiological effects that create immense need and craving for more of this drug that we've made illegal and thus made more dangerous, we've created a black market for these drugs. In that black market, you get a bunch of people who are selling at small levels to support their own habits. And we have drug-induced homicide laws in something like 23 states. Um, There's a federal version of it that can be applied by U.S. attorneys' offices um, when when they have the right. Ingredients of, of, of evidence in a case, um, but it's much more common that you end up seeing those laws applied to um, people who are addicts themselves who are selling to support a habit.
1: And uh, you don't you don't get the kind of who's he uh, talking about? Is he talking about um, medical providers in a in a like a doctor who's given these prescriptions or? emergency room no i, I think i think he's talking i think he's talking drug about drug manufacturers no
6: or? i think he's talking about you know street criminals he's he's interested in uh, consistently throughout his discussions of opioid abuse and opioid overdoses and the the crisis that this country is in with uh, the abuse of prescription painkillers leading into heroin outright heroin addiction that kind of thing he's been very consistent in leaning on enforcement uh, talking about more cops and tougher prosecutions and throwing people in jail for longer. He's not constitutionally uh, disposed to endorse the solutions that public health uh, experts will tell you we need, which are being um, more conscientious in how we treat people with addiction, uh, investing much, much more heavily in treatment and recovery services, and uh, placing uh, less of an emphasis, both in terms of government funding and policy, on the criminal justice system as the main set of tools, Trump's only real language that he understands is power, uh, and and that is a very proximate uh, code to the language of violence. He's very interested in uh, vengeance, in, in in being able to show the American people that he's uh, acting on their behalf to to avenge them against the perceived drivers of this crisis, and again. In the process, he's not able or willing to uh, take the same kind of tone with
1: <clears throat> corporate powers that are that are generated so, this whole economy <clears throat> of. Uh, me. So it's a long time before the president would even say we have a crisis. Now he said that, right? There have been a couple of meetings at the White House. Has anything actually? Has anybody actually done anything? Has the administration actually done anything about the? opioid crisis? They've done very, very, very little.
6: Um, it's unfair to say they've done zero. They've made a couple of changes uh, to how money can be spent. They, they haven't actually, at this point, spent any new money on this, on this problem. They've uh, been quite careful to use political theater to make it seem as though Trump is embarking on some grand, brand new set of policies and investments on this. Uh, And in in fact, most of what they've done so far is take credit for grant making uh, that was funded through legislation signed by President Obama. This is all, everything that's happened so far is carryover. They've proposed a significant new investment in a variety of things in uh, the president's most recent budget proposal. Uh, and there's like three billion dollars over the next two years that was baked into the budget deal that Congress struck but again the structure of that spending is is hardly new and three billion dollars is uh, a tear into the ocean in terms of the scope of the problem that experts that I've talked to for this stuff say it's you know more like a 40 or 50 billion dollar a year problem mm-hmm.
1: not a three billion yeah. over two uh, Alan Pike is with us from think progress here is a friend of Bill Alan I want to change um, the direction here a little bit and talk about this amazing amount of turnover that we see at the at the White House, which just continues every day. I mean, this week, Hope Hicks uh, is out right on the way, in the wake of uh, David Sorensen, speechwriter and Rob Porter being out on accusations of domestic violence. There are rumors now that H.R. McMaster, National Security Advisor, has told people he's out by within a week or a month. Gary Cohn, the President's national, sec- I mean, uh, uh, chief economic yep. advisor had told friends he was staying for one reason only, to prevent the president from doing anything about tariffs on steel and aluminum, which the president did yesterday. <laughs> so that would as- that would maybe show that Gary Cohn, yeah, uh, Jared Kushner this week lost his security clearance, top security clearance. Um who's not in trouble down there and it's, it's rumored even that John Kelly, because of the way he botched the Rob Porter investigation, right. that Kelly um, the president has lost a little confidence in Kelly. So Kelly yesterday, while they're debating at the White House what to do about tariffs, they're trying to decide what Donald Trump is going to say about tariffs. Nobody right. knew ahead of time what he was right. going to say at this meeting. Kelly wasn't even in the conversations, wasn't even in the White House. He is over at the Department of Homeland Security, which he used to head, right. for a little event, he's on stage, and he tells the people there how much he misses them. <laughs> what a great job that was compared to the job he has now. Here's General Kelly.
2: I would just uh, open by saying I have almost no uh, right to be up here on this stage. I mean, I was in the department. You have every right, and, to be and I miss, here, so I miss every you. one of you every day. Uh, I
3: went.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, tr- truly, at uh, six months, uh, the last thing I wanted to do was walk away from one of the great uh, honors of my life, being the Secretary of Homeland Security. Uh, but I did something wrong, and God punished me. I guess. <laughs> All right. That's spicier than I thought Man. it was
3: going to be. Man.
6: That says a lot, doesn't yeah. it? Because it, well, at first it sounds like he's he stumbled into a joke that he didn't mean to make. Right, and right. And then there's that long applause break, and he just doubles yeah. down. Yeah, no, he
1: doubled down. Exactly, yeah. It's got to be— I mean— God punished me by making me Donald Trump's chief of staff. He's
3: just begging Trump to fire him.
1: Yeah. This is— uh,
6: this is exactly how his TV show worked, right? It's just you had to you had to come with somebody <laughs> to fire every week. There yes. had to be some drama or some rotating cast of of uh, dramatic moments with people close to him. Everybody's vying for his favor and, and losing it and getting
1: it back and losing it again. And somebody gets canned every week. This is this is a reality. mentioned Jeff Sessions, right? He's trying—he really, really is trying to get Jeff Sessions to resign. Yeah, he keeps I- insulting him.
6: Jeff Sessions seems, seemed to have uh, regained some grasp on his own dignity, at least this week.
1: Well, he did. He responded this time, at least, when the president said his conduct was disgraceful because he had not opened an investigation yet again into Hillary Clinton. And Sessions put out a, a tweet or a statement saying, I will continue to serve with honor and dignity.
6: Yeah. As long as there was a line, there was, as long as I'm attorney general, this department will operate according to the Constitution, which is like, all right, Calm down, Aaron Sorkin Jr. Um, but also, but also, way to imply that you do have some red line which you're not willing to cross and
1: would well, quit over it. Which I, so I don't think he does. If but. you look, at, if you look at it, chief of staff, press secretary, communications director, director of the FBI, acting attorney general, deputy director of the FBI. I mean, you go down the list of people that Donald Trump has yeah. fired. They're really top jobs. Yeah. in the administration. Um, and, and and the list of Mike Pence better heard it of. be nervous, you know. I mean, <laughs> sure, yeah. And now Jeff Sessions, he attacks him every day. What does it say about Donald Trump that he's impossible to work with or work for?
6: I think I, I there's <coughs> Matt Gertz uh, for me. I don't Media know how Eyes else you could
1: say it. Right? Has
6: has a really great thread that goes back now. I think like 18 months or maybe even more, like two years. Uh, that's just uh, if you work, if you try to work with Donald Trump, he'll humiliate you. With you know, and each one in the thread just has that sentence and a link to a new news story about someone who's attempted to uh, sort of you know yeah. bridge a gap and 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 mm-hmm. stand next to Trump at some in
1: By the some capacity. to, add have to some that list, and, Steve Bannon, yeah, right? sure, yep. top advisor, right?
3: Oh, he he completely destroyed Steve Bannon after he left, yeah, because Bannon dares say something about Donald Jr. and remember he called him out. He said he lost his mind,
1: yeah, out of a job and out of his mind, yeah. Right? Whatever. And
3: called him a staffer. <laughs> Steve was a staffer at the White House.
1: Yeah. It, I think
3: It's a quick ride right.
6: down from mastermind of <laughs> the political upset of the century, right. too. Go
3: home oh, yeah, yeah, and uh, get your yeah. shine box, Was Steve. it Steph? <laughs> Steph?
6: Is that what his, that was his name? Yeah, yeah. He worked <laughs> in the mill <middle laughs> room, I think. Yeah. yeah. Good old Steph. Nice guy.
1: <laughs> Sorry to see him go, I guess. Uh, Whatever he did. It is funny. Stephen Miller is still there, isn't he? I haven't heard from him in a couple of weeks. I don't know. No. Kind of gone underground.
3: Cockroaches know how to survive, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, think about the people in this town who do know what they're doing, right? I mean, they may be Republicans, they may be conservatives, but they know something about government, they know something about policy. They would not go near this White House
6: yeah and yet I mean they have there's this delusion that I think is at a at a low ebb now, but i it's not gone uh, and it used to be everywhere all the time that that at some point the Republican party in the main would reach a breaking point with this president that mm-hmm. and you know there was the the most recent spasm of this that I think uh may may be a death row for this very bad take uh was back in the fall and uh, the special election in Alabama yeah. where uh, Trump clinging to Roy Moore after sto- as story after story came out detailing his years long right. pattern of, of harassing and abusing teenage women in his hometown the uh, people, people thought then, okay, this is finally the thing. Mitch McConnell's Mitch McConnell's finally going to break up with his, you know, abusive no, boyfriend no. in the White House. And, and he's not because no, the, no the, the, no the ca- there's a category error there. People are failing to understand what the Republican Party is as an institution. This is a, a political institution that for decades has been dedicated to getting a couple of very specific uh, policy uh, favors done for wealthy people, for corporations. Uh, and And they finally have unitary government in a way that they can do whatever they want. And he'll he they know that he'll sign what they he'll send sign it. whatever they said. And send so it right. doesn't. There's there's nothing he could say. Trump Trump's old quote about I, I could I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and nobody would arrest me. That's we're we're living in the equivalent of that for the relationship between this White House and this Congress. There's yep. there's nothing that Trump could do.
1: Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell will never ever never break with Paul Donald Trump no matter what he does. Yeah. No matter what Robert Mueller does. Right. Never break right. with him. Yeah, I know. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, what's up with the hat, dude? Oh yeah, this is a. Uh, I the, mean, I, I've you're, you're trying looking at... to figure out what this hat is. Those of you who are not yeah, watching on I, I, television I, or on the, YouTube,
6: the folks the folks who are listening only are are missing a very bright shade of pink. Yes, uh, yes. on my head with uh, a a lovingly stitched icon of a man called Andrea Pirlo, uh, Italian soccer star. Uh, holding a bottle of wine in one hand and <laughs> kicking a soccer ball with one foot. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Andrea Pirlo is a legend of, of the sport, um, both for being very, very, very good at it for a long time and for being a sort of r- rakish figure uh, of, of the Italian nightlife. Uh, so why didn't and, and I? Know now, this? And more recently, more recently, I think of of
3: downtown Manhattan nightlife because for a while he was playing
6: in
1: New York.
3: See, Bill, oh. you thought you didn't like soccer. Now you, just, now you got someone you can love, you can look up to.
1: Well, I, I've been trying to figure this hat out. I mean, usually people come in with a Nationals cap, you know. Or yeah, I'm still you know. not ready to talk about
6: the Nationals. No, I'm still, okay. I'm still right. grieving. Oh, no, last I know. Fall. I, know. Yeah. <laughs> I was at Game Five of
1: that series, oh, by the way. That was buddy. until two thirty in the morning. Oh. It was, that was unpleasant. Oh. All right, quick break. Then we'll be back with Catherine Tully McManus joining us from CQ Now. Uh, What's the latest? Maybe some action from Capitol Hill on the Me Too movement. We'll get the latest. Uh, Alan Pike staying with us. Catherine Tully McManus joining us. And you're staying with us as well. We'll be right back. Search for The Bill
2: Press Show on iTunes. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill
1: Press Show. Make it a Friday, March 2nd. Hello, everybody. Great to see you. Great to be back with you here on the Bill Press Show. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., as always. In studio with us as a friend of Bill this entire hour from Thing Progress, Alan Pike. Hello. Alan, hello. all right. Good to have you back. And joining us now from CQ Now, Catherine Tully McManus. Hello, Catherine. Hello. Welcome to the uh, conversation here. And all of you at home, if you haven't already done so, let me just remind you one more time, I now actually have the book, my new book, From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. i uh, got a box of them. I'll be signing a lot of them over the weekend for those of you who have already ordered an advanced copy, signed copy. If you haven't done so, um, 40% discount gets the price down to sixteen seventy nine at our website, billpressshow.com. Get your advance signed copy, From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. It's a fun romp through um, my life so far. <laughs> so far, right. Uh, the next 50 years will come uh, a little bit later. Uh, so check it out. It's a lot of fun. And um, again, I'll be signing those. Those of you who've already ordered, will get your book soon. Those of you have been waiting until the book itself is out, now's the time. Go to our website, BillPressShow.com, and uh, order your copy.
3: I just want to say, by the way, forty percent off is a, is a great deal.
1: Like, oh, that's I, right. I forgot to mention, though, there is a catch.
3: Well, I got well, I got to use my employee discount here at the Bill Pressure, which was five percent off. But the forty percent is great. That's great. So,
1: which means that it's a forty percent discount for our listeners and viewers. But if you are a member of the NRA. Uh, the price is actually $50. Yeah, yeah right. we're charging
3: more if you we're remember We're
1: charging the NRA. 50% more if I like you remember it. the NRA, right? <laughs> exactly, yes. So, um, Catherine, you follow the uh, the Congress um, at uh, CQ Now. We had this horrific massacre at a uh, high school in Parkland, Florida, and Congress comes back into town, and we're ready to see Congress respond. Even Donald Trump didn't dismiss the thing saying it's too soon to talk about it. I don't think he's going to make any difference, but he at least had a meeting about what did we see from Congress this week about gun safety?
0: Um, Well, we definitely saw uh, them a little riled up after the televised meeting with lawmakers. Uh, I think uh, Republicans came out of that meeting and told reporters, wow. Uh, we, we're not sure what we just saw there. Uh, he really surprised Republicans especially. But there's also, uh, if you've seen the video, great clips of some of the Democratic members in that meeting. Uh, giddy, uh, as he uh, s- said that Republicans were afraid of the NRA and uh, called for some of the gun control measures that Democrats have been calling for for a long time.
6: Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the reaction shots throughout that meeting know. were sort of the yeah, most that fascinating That was worth a watch is. alone. The, the contrast, there was a shot, there was one freeze frame that I saw where I think it was Cornyn, John Cornyn, uh, looked like somebody had just told him. And for dessert, uh, we're having uh, bricks coated in mole sauce. Uh, and, and and next to him, just out of focus, is Diane Feinstein, uh, sounding like she's just been given a very different menu. Uh, there, there's some really funny freeze frames from that meeting.
1: Absolutely. Well, um, yesterday, so um, Democratic leader uh, Chuck Schumer said, well, Donald Trump, we've heard him before, say things and change his mind, but this time is going to be different. Here's Chuck That Trump. happened several times. <laughs> that cannot happen on guns. Oh, yeah. What a bet? <laughs> what a bet. Right. The idea that Schumer would say, we got to believe Donald Trump on guns, that he could nev- not possibly change his mind on guns.
0: Well, I think that there's an interesting dynamic going on within the Congress itself um, because gun violence has touched them very personally in the last year. Um, And in the past few years, on both sides of the aisle, uh, we had Gabby Giffords, uh, who was shot at at an event with constituents, and then, of of course, uh, Steve Scalise at the Congressional Baseball practice. Uh, So we actually saw action this week in the House um, where the Members' Handbook, which is guidelines for members of the House, uh, what they can spend money on, uh, taxpayer money, This their members' representational allowances. It's what they use to pay their staff and travel and things like that. Uh, they now can r- be reimbursed for uh, buying bulletproof vests for themselves. Uh, and I think the fear is real. Um, we've also seen threats to lawmakers' families, uh, representative love of Utah, her children were threatened while at her house, playing in the yard. Um, So security measures in the districts um, are a rising concern for lawmakers. Uh, But there's also um, an optics issue. If you're going to be with constituents to be the only person at the event with a vest on, um, we, we don't know yet if members will use this money. But what I'm looking into is this is a very specific provision to be changed in the member's handbook uh, so that fear is real So someone whether staff or members uh, well, made that change
1: yeah I mean pardon me for not being totally impressed by their sincerity but they don't care anything about school kids or the American people won't do anything about making getting banning assault weapons or tougher background checks or whatever but they'll Give themselves more money to buy bulletproof vests, to protect themselves. Yeah, and
6: uh, I mean, it seems like that, there's just a tendency to um, whatever whatever empathy uh, does get generated on the right after an event like this, you see it dump. You see it. That energy tends to go into a solution oriented around uh, defensive, reactive ideas. Uh, People have been talking about how we need to harden our schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, even mm-hmm. set set aside the give teachers guns thing. Um, talking about. Uh, metal, detectors, metal, metal detectors. More, more right, reinforced steel
1: doors. Um, right. Basically, uh, you more know, the cops. Kinds of... are, are around the building or at the entrance. Yeah.
6: Right. Oh, and and it's not, it doesn't take a genius to realize that pretty quickly a uh, schoolhouse starts to look and feel a lot more like a correctional facility. Uh, many
0: are designed by the same architects. Exactly. Actually. Exactly.
1: Right. Is that right? Yeah. yeah
0: ma- many high schools built in a certain era were built by, you know, architects who were already on. Um, on the payroll of states, so why not have them sign oh, Yeah,
6: <laughs> And and right, and not coincidentally, you end up with facilities that are built to manage large numbers of people in some uh, expressly uh, logistical way from place to place throughout the course of a given day. Yeah, you
1: designed a good prison. How about designing us a good high school, right? They'll take the same plan. Boom, mm-hmm. there it is. Pretty much. Yeah. Why not?
6: The the DOJ by the way, uh, was forced to put out a weird statement earlier this week, um, saying that okay. no, we have not, in fact, ever endorsed a brand of uh bulletproof backpacks as uh effective. That I, I guess there's a company that manufactures, there is
3: actually. We did this a, a couple of years ago, we talked about this. There's not only a, 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 a backpack company that but they made essentially bulletproof backpacks and blankets. That they were trying to put into all of the schools that are bulletproof blankets. So if there was some sort of a
6: bulletproof blankets would be a great indie band name, right?
3: Yeah, bulletproof blankets. <laughs>
6: they, I think they opened for the War on Drugs uh, a couple months ago. <laughs> so, at the
3: if if there was a shooting that broke out, you find these blankets, you hide underneath it. It's like we're finding all these different solutions to like without addressing than, the actual
1: problem. Other than the solutions that might really work, right? 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 Um, it wasn't there, I think we heard him earlier today, the sheriff, where was he? Oh, from Panama. Panama, Oklahoma. Panama, Oklahoma. Uh, this is a sheriff who actually said what kids should do is, his solution is, that a gunman comes into the school, hold up your backpack. I do think it
2: would be wise of a school district to do anything that could slow down the velocity of a piece of lead flying out of a weapon before it entered a child, hold
1: up your backpack. That's what he was recommending. No.
2: That's a hell of a
1: sentence, right? To yeah. Like, like
6: step back for a second and, and contemplate where we are. That that's a yeah. thing somebody said, mm-hmm. and and probably the person interviewing them went, hmm,
1: yeah. Oh, that might make sense.
6: Yeah, right. I understand why you would say that.
0: Can't imagine there would be the time, frankly.
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> and, you have and time I, to
3: think about that with an AR-15. I don't mm-hmm. think so.
6: Yeah,
1: don't shoot. Where do I get my backpack? Yeah. Right just insane the p- the same
6: people who who mostly get to worry about setting curricula and uh you know arguments about whether they should stop mm-hmm. charging kids for school lunches are now doing contingency planning for uh for somebody with a gun all right
1: so just kind Attends of a put, putting a, a button on this uh so they did fine now they can buy bulletproof vests for themselves and their staff um One would assume to use in their district, not necessarily in the capital. I mean, um,
0: it, it was a very brief provision that was inserted into the handbook. So it actually it's not actually additional funding. I wanna make that clear. Yeah. It's just they're now allowed to use the funds they have. Okay. Um there there are many prohibitions on what you can't yeah. spend money on. Yeah. But um, and they so can. they can do this. And I believe it it says for the member. So I think it would be one per office. There's only one member per office and uh, it also seems like, uh, you know, if you're on a committee staff, that those com- committee funds wouldn't be able to be used. All Just right, members.
1: so so basically they didn't do anything this week. Uh, <laughs> they're going to come back next week. What are the chances um, that uh, gun safety is going to be a top priority for this Congress?
0: Well, I believe the Senate has already said they're moving on. I think yeah. they're uh, going to a, a banking measure, I believe. And um, so I'm not sure. Yeah, because sure. that...
1: that- Thing down in Florida was two weeks ago now, right? We've moved on. Moved on, right? I
0: think they moved members on. The might day it still happened. Still be talking about it, uh, but as for action, legislative action on the floor, I'm not sure you'll see much. Okay,
1: and what's so then? What's happening on the Me Too front? That also was a, a subject on which we thought we might see some congressional action.
0: Well, the Senate originally took a, at the least, lead.
1: I, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Just to be clear. In terms of the processes that work in the House and in the Senate to protect women members, women staffers, mm-hmm. women interns in the Congress.
0: Yeah, well, the Senate originally took the lead. They were the first out of the gate to mandate training across the chamber, both staff and senators themselves. Um, But since then, the House has really taken the baton and run much further with it. Uh, There has not been much more action in the Senate. The House, though, they have mandated training. They've also made changes to their own rules in the chamber. Uh, So no more relationships allowed between uh, members and staff or anyone who, uh, you know, is anyone else's boss. That's a power dynamic that they know is unhealthy and won't be allowed. Uh, No funds for settlements um members will have if they reach a settlement they will have 90 days to the treasury will originally pay the money uh because that that's just how the 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 funds have to be dispersed but the member will have to pay the treasury back within 90 days um and right now there's already an outstanding uh a promise to pay back the Treasury by Blake Ferenthold. Um Before this was put into place, he had said he would pay back his, I believe, $83,000 settlement. Um, the Treasury's still waiting on that check, I believe.
1: Uh, yeah, He just sort of skated through that. Why well, He did. Yeah. Yeah. But also, so many of these cases have been kept secret, right? Mm-hmm. And the members have been protected by by the committee that's mm-hmm. supposed to be investigating, yeah, that?
6: yeah. I was gonna ask you if that same do you know if that same legislation includes anything to sort of automate the publication of settlement?
0: Yes, so so the changes made to the house rules themselves, uh, th- those don't need senate votes, so those okay. are already in effect. The bill that the house passed and now is pending in the senate, uh, would mandate the release okay. um, of settlement information, I believe, annually, um, and but there are calls for further release. Uh, Barbara Comstock of Virginia, mm-hmm. she's a Republican. She is advocating that previous settlements be released much more publicly, uh, whereas lawmakers are concerned <coughs> about uh, the victims' privacy right. too. You get mm-hmm. down to smaller offices and a certain years. There's only sure. so many staff sure. in there, uh, and the, they mm-hmm. There were multiple delays in the House legislation, and one of the reasons lawmakers gave for repeated delays was we're really checking to make sure that victims' advocates are on board with this and that uh, no one would be in fear of you know wherever they ended up after Red. congress uh, after working on the hill uh, that their privacy is protected
6: yeah that's a that's a, a complicated uh, mm-hmm. dynamic to yeah. all this given that you know, you're talking about a closed universe of offices where everybody who everybody's it's employed there world. is a public is not a public figure, but a public employee, and, right, and we you got can all look kinds of as
1: reporters. Right? Yeah, yep. there was, but, a, was the race yeah. was on. But you know, back Cong- in the fall, to back Jackie, out who was but, harassing, it but, wasn't con- that hard? Congressman Jackie Spears been in <clears throat> and talked about this that that for uh, for a long time, um, uh, a lot of women didn't complain because first of all, they didn't even know where to where to go. Right? The, to, you know what what options they had. Uh, they thought sort of this went went along with the territory. Um, yeah, she and, said to and,
0: us that the um, the system that was in place uh, was okay in the dark ages, but nothing that was ready for the 21st century. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was arduous. We're talking yeah. months. We're talking a quote-unquote right. cooling-off period. Yeah. And you couldn't work remotely. You had to be in the room, in the office with your harasser mm-hmm. as it was adjudicated. Um and though in the House bill uh, that, is move, that has been passed, moving over to the Senate, um, you would be able to work remotely if your job allows or take paid leave um, because I can't imagine that uncomfortable situation of maybe sitting next to your harasser after you've accused them.
1: Right. And, and the process would be, I mean, and these women would be taken seriously. There'd be an expeditious. And they'll uh, have an Dealing advocate. with that. And they'll have an advocate. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the,
0: There was a big push. Um, Again, uh, Car Swim and Comstock talked to many uh, former Hill staffers who had gone through the process and who talked about how terrible it was, but they said they just felt lost, and they felt like the deck was stacked against them. So she was a, a major advocate for having a legal, excuse me, a legal advocate for the victims, uh, making sure they know, you know, what are the next steps, what are your options? If you take option A, does that preclude uh, criminal charges? Does that preclude uh, other other options? Um, and giving victims kind of a pathway and options and all the information they need uh, was a big priority of Congresswoman Comstock, but the whole House Administration Committee.
1: I'm surprised are you that, uh, both of you, that more names haven't come forward? I mean, Blake Farenthold's like the only one hanging out there, isn't it? Well, Al we, Franken's we sort of, gone.
3: We, we were sort of led to believe by the, a lot of reporters that this was just the tip of the iceberg. There was yeah. going to be a lot more coming out. Wait.
1: You, I know, as much as I know that I'm sitting here with a sore throat, that there are dozens and dozens of members of Congress who are guilty of sexual harassment, yeah. and ass- if not assault over the years both parties
0: but the settlement process is very official so if if you know if you were harassed and it was terrible and you just quit right or you just searched hard and Mm -hmm. got another job as fast as possible to get yourself out of that situation there's not a lot of documentation of that Uh, there's so much turnover with staff on capitol hill um that you know someone's there (coughs) for only three months that doesn't raise a lot of Flags, yeah, yeah. Um, But I will say there are four yeah. members who are not running for re-election uh, directly related to allegations, and that's um, Meehan of Pennsylvania, Farenthold of Texas, who we mentioned, Joe Barton of Texas, and uh, Ruben Kuhn of Nevada, and four uh, lawmakers have resigned outright, and that was Al Franken, John Conyers, Trent Franks, and Tim Murphy. Um, mm-hmm. And mm. so those—that's eight—and uh, that's a really small number in yeah. the scheme of Congress. Uh, but I think the the increased uh, availability of help and access to advocacy, you might see uh, people feeling more comfortable coming forward. But I don't know about the historical ones. If you've yeah. moved on yeah. and you've, um, you know, you're you're finding success in another career, um, right. or you're on Capitol Hill and have risen through the ranks. I think the consequences uh, and the the backlash for victims is still very intense. Um, yeah, that, that's one of sure
6: the, it's, it's one of the sort of silent um, uh, symptoms of all of this that I, I remember people pointing out uh, in particular in connection to the Conyers uh, story that we just don't know um, what what this is sort of costing us as a country in terms of mm-hmm. lost talent and people, women who've been chased out of industries. I mean, th- th- this is a thing that uh, an, obs- an observation people have made about a lot of other industries in uh, covering this moment of renewed willingness to speak out and, and greater comfort with the co- what it's going to cost you personally to to go mm-hmm. public with something. Um, that, that There's this sort of brain drain um, and, th- and that that's happened in our politics, too, for certain. That there's been some category of... Energy energetic, committed, talented women who've been quietly chased out and have moved on, as you say, without leaving much of a footprint.
1: Absolutely. Right. And on that point, we're going to have to leave it right there. Catherine, so much. Thank you so much for coming in at CQ, CQ now. No, CQ.com.
0: CQ, CQ.com. Um, most of my coverage is also on RollCall.com. RollCall.com.
1: Partners. <laughs> and uh, Alan Pike from Think ThinkProgress, ThinkProgress.org. That's it, folks. Have a great, great weekend. Come on back Monday. We'll be looking for you.